Hello, welcome to From the Rookery End, a podcast about life follow Watford Football Club. We stand outside Vicarage Road uh, after Watford 2, Sunderland 2. Uh, the Hornets led twice. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the late goal for Sunderland meant the Black Cats took the long, well, one point on their long journey back up north. Uh, with me is Mike. Right, I'm just going to kick off with something. Keep quite, quite sombre. To, to get things going but I need to get it off my chest first and foremost first and foremost Carl's dad uh, Carl from Do Not Scratch Your Eyes his dad passed away yes. recently so just condolences uh, condolences to him thoughts with you Carl and your family and secondly I just wanted to mention Sam Uko's post this week Sam won't mind me saying on, on here that he has posted quite regularly about mental health issues and a lot of the struggles that he's had personally and he has been brave enough to vocalise those on, on social media and this week there have been some quite frankly disgusting posts from from people around Sam's posts. I'm not going to say what they were, I'm not going to urge anyone to look them up, just rest assured that they are the dregs of society, uh, people doing that. And I am denied about whether I should say anything about this, because these guys, they're they're behind anonymous accounts, and you could argue that by mentioning it you're just feeding trolls. Well, that's not actually the case, because there are real people sitting behind the computer typing these sort of things out, um, and it's an absolute disgrace. It's completely unacceptable in any guise, and I am just appalled by it. And I know it's difficult watching Watford at the moment. I know there's a lot going on in the world, but we need to stick up and we need to show a common front against people and things and activity like that. Never mind feeding the trolls, never mind ignore them, they're anonymous. Call them out. It's a disgrace. It is an absolute disgrace. And as Watford supporters, we need to stand shoulder to shoulder whenever we see it in any form and call it out. It is completely unacceptable. I'm sorry to start a podcast with that. Let's get it out of the way. Okay. But there are bigger things than football sometimes, uh, and those two are them. So I, I, I hope you don't mind bringing it up. I've said my bit. Onto the football. Collins here. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm back. <laughs> yeah, first appearance of the season. Uh, and, of course, DCW is here also. Hello. Uh, and we've just said this, this game that we saw... DCW, you know, are your overall feelings leaving that game? You know, personally, on, on Tuesday, after watching that Blackburn game, my mate Dylan was over, and he, as he left, he was like, see you later, mate, you know, this was a rubbish evening. I was, I was pretty low, and had no, no expectations coming into this game. How are you feeling at the end of the game? Disappointed that we conceded late on and go away with only a point. I thought, you know, we... we there was a time when it looked like we might just hold on but those injuries and the substitutions and we sort of regressed and it all just fell apart and, it, and, and really in, in some ways we may be, may be even fortunate to, to come away with a point at the end because Sunderland had a number of chances before they actually scored and they had the offside goal as well so I'm, I'm disappointed it's all, you always feel a bit flat when you concede late on and it goes from a win to a draw or a draw to a loss or whatever but I do think there were some positives there I think Davis was really, really good. If we can keep him fit and we can get him starting every game, he's going to be a real asset. Uh, Pedro was good again. Kamara being back and back at left back, back in his proper position, looks really good. I thought Hawes looks really good. I thought Truce came back in and acquitted himself fairly well. So I think that, you know there were positives here yeah. and there, but it's 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 disappointing. To, to you know, I, I get why there's a bit of downbeat energy. I I, I don't think it's worth booing there was a lot of booing at the end and I wouldn't I wouldn't support that I didn't boo but I understand that it's another frustrating situation it's another point and you know we're 
we're seeing teams zoom off into the distance a little bit now and you know we, we could have done with winning that game today so it's, dis- it's disappointing yeah no I think you're right there, there are quite clear reasons why it's disappointing you know, why, why it got out of our control and why we drew that game in the end but Colin you know there's let's talk about the, the let's start with the bad there let's, let's go back to the good yeah what was good about that game for you in terms of what you saw that was that was you know better than, than Blackburn at least <clears throat> yes there were some good individual performances or the signs of good individual performances. There weren't any really fully complete sort of eights and nines, if you want to say that. Mm. But I, I, I make DCW right. Davis came in and he looks like a unit and he got a, he got a good goal from a Kamara assist. I thought Kamara was excellent. Um, playing as he was a left back, we don't have enough defenders, John. <laughs> we don't have any fullbacks, and so we were looking fairly comfortable after the first goal. We scored, then we suddenly decided we were in the Premier League again, playing against a team that's way better than us, and we've got we've managed to sneak a one nil advantage, and we're going to sit on it for the next sixty minutes, and so we let them score. Then we got back into the game after the second half quite cohesive midfield struggling a little bit you know my feelings about two men two central midfielders I don't like it I don't think it works I think in the championship we got overrun and also Chowdhury and KMB are not the most mobile they, they're good at what they can do they're quite similar but there isn't anyone in there to help them so that, that was a problem for me anyway we get our goal our second goal which is an own goal but you know own goals often own goals are deserved in the sense that you put enough pressure on the defenders you put enough pressure in the box from a set piece first time he's gone from a set piece for a while by the way yeah. and, and we didn't even score it yeah. and we didn't score it so it's nice well, to sort see of we did score nice it because see, yeah. the first time we've had an academy graduate school for Watford for quite a while now quite a long time yeah, yeah. and uh, in the wrong end for him obviously but, and then after that I thought well okay well let's see are we going to do the same thing again and then 10 minutes later he, he pulls Kamara off and brings, yeah. brings on an attacker and suddenly that seemed instead of sometimes that's a good thing to do when you're ahead bring on another threat and you, and you force the team to say well we've got to get a goal to get back in the game but we've also got this added threat now we need to worry about that but that didn't happen well mm. you it's have so, to assume you have to assume that that, that was a, carry on well that it was a planned substitution because there's no way you take off Kamara one of the most competent defenders on the field when you've got such a slender lead and, and put on Bayo who isn't going to add, add, he is the, a number nine at the other end of the pitch he's not going to he, he, he's not going to offer anything so you have to assume that that, that was a planned uh, planned substitution and I think if we're talking about positives first and foremost I think that back left L if you like with Kamara in there and Courtney Howes in there looked like a proper football team should look proper players in proper positions and we looked neat and tidy Semmer was able to do what Semmer does down the left in the first half so that left hand side with Kamara in there and Howes in there looks looked fine it looked okay in the first half and and I thought Davis was exactly what we've needed all season number nine Poor old Luke O'Neill, he will have not enjoyed his return back to, back to Vicarage Road. After about 30 seconds, he was having to hand, hang on to Keenan Davis's shirt um, and for, for dear life and, and try and bring him down that way. So the first half, it felt right. OK, we're here, we're gonna, we look, we've got the semblance of that control that I've been lamenting the lack of so far this season. We don't think we started particularly quickly. I don't think we we're out of the blocks and at him. But what they did look like was at least they were making the most of what they had out on the pitch and there was some sort of shape, footballers knowing what their job was and, and, and exercising it. The goal was nice. We weren't, able to, uh, we weren't able to build on it. And I thought in the second half, I, I don't think we got control of it again. I thought, I thought the whole of the second half was just building and building and building to, towards, towards Sunderland either getting a, a, a point and a, and a win. And 
the substitutions again, and we can run through them chronologically if you like. But if yeah. you look at if you look at the state of the side at the final whistle, who we had on the pitch with personnel playing in particular positions. I'm sorry, it's a complete and utter shambles. But is it a shambles because of choice or is it a shambles because of, of situation, DCW? Well, a bit of both. I think it's, it's, in some respects it's like, you know, chickens coming home to roost and we're seeing now that we don't have enough options in the wide areas. We don't have enough proper full-backs, proper wing-backs and we've sort of been making do and the players been playing, you know, centre-backs playing out wide and all that stuff and it's just... There's only so often you can do that and get away with it. Even Ken, who we've sort of, we even we sort of have come to think of him as a bit of a wing back now and a full back and think that he can do a good job. But it's not his proper <coughs> position. It's not his best position. You can see how much better Kamara is positionally than him when he's playing left back in terms of being proactive and cutting things out and getting to the ball. Mm. Um, so I, I, yeah, I, I agree with Mike. Really, it is a bit of a shambles. The squad is imbalanced. So in that respect, the international break comes at a good time. We can hopefully we can get some players back comes at a bad time for Rob let's hope <laughs> let's hope that Gino doesn't you know it's Gino's favourite time of year it's just like Christmas for Gino now I fancy a new one <laughs> I fancy a new one gonna... but the problem is Colin alluded to it we haven't got enough left-sided defenders we haven't got enough right-sided defenders no. we so, also uh, haven't got enough options in the midfield to get the ball no. from the front to, from the back that was, that to was... the front so that we can feed the likes of Pedro and Bayo when he comes on the players are not in the building to allow us to play football. It comes to something when Cathcart is your right back and when you take him off, you think, oh, now what do we do? Because Cathcart is not a right back. And I agree with you, Ken Semmer is not a wing back. No, and, and, he, he and when he started playing as a wing back, we were all thinking this got to be temporary. But what you, see, you can see from Semmer's performance today exactly what he's good at. He gets out wide on the left and he can beat a championship fullback he did it time and time again and he can get a cross in he, he, he was a threat you ask him to go back behind his into his own half and stop a threat coming the other way and he hasn't got the mobility to do it mm. he, he tries he's totally wholehearted yeah. but he hasn't got the the as you say the positional sense or the or the or the pace or weirdly because he's got quite you know he's, he, he doesn't have much pace but what he does have is strength yeah. and he has a determination to get past the fullback and the fullbacks <coughs> can't stop him so that's where that's where his strength yeah. is ask him to do the other job why? A credit, so, credit, credit where it's due to Ken, because he did go on a bombing overlap in the la- late on. All the way back. And I thought, oh, crikey, Ken, you do realise you're around left back. And, and credit where credit's due, he got all the way back and he did enough <laughs> to do it. But, but that, So that's, you've got to give him credit for being, like Cole says, for being wholehearted. That's not his position. And I don't think there's anyone, how many were there, 19,500 here today and there are thousands watching around the world. And there's no one that would suggest he is. No, it's just it's just not his position, and the fact that we haven't got left-sided defenders and right-sided defenders, and I will, you know, I am a huge Craig Cathcart advocate. Actually, I will stick up for him. Yeah, I think people get, people get bored with him because you've seen him around the place for so long. What a tremendous footballer! I wish we had more people like him. I've got a fog in my throat. I'm not getting emotional. I've got a bit <laughs> of a cough. I wish we had more people like Craig Cathcart who were able to do their job sensibly, just turn up, get it done, and go home. And as a, as a right back, he's not. He's not a born right back, but in the championship, he's more than adequate. Yeah. So, so that's fine. But we should have more choice. Yeah. So, chickens coming home to roost, I think, is is exactly right. The squad isn't. You have to say it. It isn't fit for purpose. And and, and no. Dave threw through. He took the pin out of the little grenade and just lobbed it in there about Rob Edwards. I don't care who you bring in, because what do you do with who do you bring in in the midfield like that? 
Who, what are the options to, to plug that gap, to, make, to, to complete the jigsaw? We are, because that's exactly what we are, we're a jigsaw puzzle with five of the key components missing. You, can, you can't finish it. Can't, no, without we you know no Gosling. No, oh, I mean he was on. Was he on the bench, Gosling? He yeah, didn't. Why? Gone. So why the, did he come on? Yeah. Oh, I didn't no notice. Cleverly, so no. Uh, no cleverly. So you're you were lacking. So that's what. If it, this, I get back to thinking about it being planned substitution, it cannot have been a planned. Sp- speaking of planned substitutions and planned exits, it's time for me to go and get the train, lads. And <laughs> 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 the DCW dash. Um, I just I, I agree that it must be planned, but it can't be planned to take off Kamara and bring on a left-sided forward player. That well, no, 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 be, but that, that was can't no. Be, no, 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 no. It no. can't be. You can't be both ways. It can't be a planned substitution when you're two-one ahead to take off the, your defender and bring on a left-sided attacking player. If it's a planned substitution, surely at best or worst, you're going to bring on a central midfielder to plug up yeah. the gap, not bring on a left-sided attacking player who doesn't want to defend and it's not his job to defend. And so suddenly we had an extra attacker, but we had one less defender and that allowed them back into the game. Well, gave them the it confidence. wasn't really. The idea, I, I'm gonna, I, I, think, I think Rob was playing a, a, a chess here, playing several moves ahead. He went, as we know, Bio coming on, that's another attacker. Let's give him some other questions. As you said, yeah. you know, a couple other questions yeah, to, to think done. about. Ken can, Ken can slot back in at left-back. Well, he's not going to be the best. He's not the first choice. But he can go and do that job. Then what I'll do is, when the t- uh, Davis is getting towards the end, that's when I'll take him off. And that's when I'll put my man in the midfield to shore things up. Yes. Because at yes, that point, we were 2-1 yes, 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 prob- at that point. But the problem with that is you've got to have the whole team on board, which means that the midfield, if you bring on an attacker to add threat, the midfield have to press and put pressure on the ball so that that threat pays off and what happened was Bayer went out there onto the left side of uh, uh, the left wing if you like or inside left channel and the midfield backed off because we were 2-1 ahead and they were terrified of being hit on the break so he just becomes an isolated figure he's a useless player to us he's not helping us he's not helping us defend and he's not going to he's not carrying any threat because he's never going to get the ball because the midfield are 40 yards further back because they've decided as, as a midfield, if you like, and as, the, as defenders to sit on their 18-yard line. So if it's planned and if that is the idea that you bring on an attacking player to create more doubt in the Sunderland defenders' minds to stop them coming forward, then the midfield have to also come up and put pressure on the ball so that that threat becomes an actual threat. And what happened was he came on, they backed off, and Sunderland had literally, they could walk around Watford with absolutely no one within metres and metres of them because they were all sitting on the 18-yard saying, we mustn't concede, we mustn't concede. And what happens? We concede, of course we concede. That's I'm no tactician, but if that's the plan, that was a dreadful plan, even if you back it up. It's just the wrong call. If that was, if that was a tactical move, I'm baffled by it. Abso- absolutely baffled by it. That's why I am hanging everything on it being just being careful with the players. Yeah. Um, because if that was if the, the plan you outlined there, John, and I know what you're doing, you're trying to look for... Trying to not be hot-headed and, and disappointed and upset, and trying to look at it in a in a balanced way, which is absolutely correct. But if that was indeed the plan, it was a dreadful one. It was never going to. It was never going to work. But sometimes plan, you know, maybe plan isn't the right way. Again, I'm not trying to defend myself here. But maybe maybe it's, it's an interesting it, but, discussion. But, but the word plan, the word plan is different from saying <laughs> let's give something a go. Because we know that in, that player over there is a bit injured. He's hanging a little bit. Yeah. So actually, let's try this before we actually go and make the, the big move that we maybe should have done to begin with. I've got nothing against bringing on an attacking player when you're one, you know, a goal ahead with 15 minutes to go. I think, I think it can work really well because it's a surprising move. And the opposition think, right... They're going to defend for the last 15 minutes and this is our moment to get the ball, control the game and try and score an equaliser. And then they go, oh, hold on a minute, there's a, there's a bloke who's got wheels out there on the left and we better not let him get in behind us. But 
if it's a plan, then it has to be a coordinated plan, as I've just outlined, yeah. with the rest of the team so that they know that that is the plan and they move up to put pressure on the Sunderland midfield, to put pressure on the Sunderland backline so they don't have control of the ball in their own half and into our half and can get it wide and into dangerous areas, which is what Sunderland did, particularly as we've just taken off one of our fullbacks. So it, it seemed more like, let's see, let's have a go, as you've just described. It felt a bit like a punt. I mean, we've seen that substitution a lot in the past and it can work really well if you've got the right players and the team understand what that plan is. But it looked a bit bit like an improvised thing because he didn't know who else to bring on, really. There was no one else. I don't blame him. That's the massive issue. That Every game is seeing improvised is probably putting it in the most positive terms possible. What it actually is, is... It's all like a cartoon with holes springing up in a dam yeah. and someone sticking a finger there and then the water comes out there, right, that didn't work, yeah. And this is what I mean with the complete lack of control in virtually every Watford game this season and it all stems from the personnel not being available. Yeah. It, and and that's, that's the issue. And, and how you fix it is... Is, is beyond me at the moment it's just there has to, there's a change and then it's like oh god because of that we now we need to make another change now we need to do this and now we need to do that it's never a football's never a serene procession through to the final whistle it never works like that but Watford are constantly sort of resetting the table yeah. redressing the chairs moving this around moving yeah. that around I think that's right I think, it, I think it's especially in the first half I felt we were very reactive we're at home but we were waiting for something to happen. There was a lot of stepping away from the ball rather than putting pressure on the ball. And, and we did put pressure on the ball at periods in the game, but quite a lot of the time it looked like we were waiting for something to happen before we react to it rather than being proactive. Mm. And that might be to do with who... Oh, look, there's our manager. Um, no, he's not. Isn't it? No, he just looks like... Oh, he looks he's, a lot like he, him. He's a young man who's got a nice beard. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> and also, so, he's, he's smiling. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> which he shouldn't be doing. Uh, also, I, and I hate to say this, because... Uh, and I know I've said it on the podcast before, but I think 3-4-3 is the most ridiculous system in football. It doesn't work, because you get outnumbered in every single place on the pitch. You've got three up front against four defenders. You've got four in midfield, but two of those are either wing-backs... And you've only got two in the middle, and most teams play with three in the middle, and then they've got three against your three. The reality of it's this nuts. side, the reality of this side, is they're playing four-two-four. Four. Yeah. That's that's eff- effectively to, yeah, effectively playing. what it is. And we have not got the personnel in that midfield to do to, to who want the ball to carry it forward, to thread a pass, to pick a pass, to to set the tempo, to ask questions of the opposition. They're not there. Kayembe and, and Chowdhury do what they do, yeah. which is completely, you know... Fine. They, which is fine. They yeah. cut, but they're not... It isn't within their gift to do, to do anything else. And it leads to frustration in the final third because it, people... Right, I'll go and get it then, see what I can do. <laughs> and then you're out of position and you, you're looking for a pass that isn't there because you should be the one on the end of the pass. And then it leaves the defence concerned and worried and wanting to get rid of it quickly because they see what's happening in front of them, getting overrun, unconfident with the ball. So the defenders and Daniel Back it's, it's it's infiltrated through to Backman now, who who has played well I think this season, but he wants shot of it quick because he's seeing what's unfolded in, unfolding in front of him. The defence are nervous because they know that the midfield can't hold it. The, the, the attack need to to come deep to try and get the ball and try and make something happen. With Keenan Davis there today, it was the first yeah. semblance of any of, a, like a, an, of an attacking threat 
over any period of time, as opposed to sort of like a little glimpse of a, a set piece, a set play where we've, uh, someone's jinked away and beat a man. And that was the first time it looked like, right, this is a, something that we can use for the duration of the afternoon to ask questions. Exactly. That's the plan. That's the ploy. Exactly. That's, and then it looked like we could have some success. But it, it just disintegrated. And I'll, I'll go back to it. We haven't got the players... And we haven't got the players to come back. We've got Loser and we've got Cleverly, who are two extra bodies in midfield. So have I just contradicted myself? I guess I have a little bit. Because though they are You haven't contradicted yourself yet. <laughs> well, but they, right when, we have got, when we have got... Having a, having a functioning midfield, yeah. which it remains to be seen if that will happen when Cleverly and Loser come back, it can only be better than what we have now. Yeah. Having a functioning midfield will be a massive help. But not having left-footed defenders and right-sided defenders to choose from is going to be a massive issue. We're at game 10 and we're in a mess, quite frankly. Also, can you anyone explain to me what... I mean, I, I said to you before the match that I'd read this thing from a Colombian article about how uh, they're getting very excited in Colombia that Yasser Spria is going to be the, the new Colombian Messi, blah, blah, blah. Today... I thought he didn't know what his job was and I didn't think he had a job and, I, and he just seemed to wander around and is he a number 10? Is he supposed to be out wide? Is he supposed to, what, is he supposed to be supporting? He just looked totally lost. He's a young player with very little experience so you can't blame him entirely because the championship is hurly-burly-burly. And, but that, and then that's up to the coaching staff to be really clear and make sure that he knows exactly what his job is because really he should have come off after 20 minutes because he he could see, you could see that he wasn't... Not, he wasn't just not contributing, he didn't have an idea of how it was that he was supposed to be yeah. contributing. And that, that worried me a little bit, because there's obviously a good player there, clearly. But yeah, but he wouldn't have started if Saar had been fit. True, that's true, I suppose, yeah. But, you know, that, that, players have to be adaptable, they have to, but also the He's coaching 18. Staff, Coaching, coaching staff have to be clear this is your job stay in this position stay here yeah. this is what yeah, yeah. and he was like I don't know what I'm doing uh, you know. and I thought I thought Davis was terrific I thought it's the first time we've had a but we did get a point yeah so it's not the end of the world it is the end of the world but I think that the overall feeling is a feeling of disappointment a podcast made by Watford fans fans for Watford fans from the rookery end Mike, with your optitude you do during the game, you were sat uh, in the Sir John stand, and yes. I asked you, could you see a certain somebody, a certain Cristiano Giretta, the sporting director uh, of Watford, because it was uh, announced this week by Andrew French that he was leaving the club, or had left the club, and the reaction to that from, from Watford fans was quite joyful, and that surprised me immensely, because what are you being joyful about? Well, I'll tell you what you're joyful about is someone who's been part of a uh, regime that's proceeded over failure for quite a long time has has departed the building. And I think Andrew reported it happened. Uh, Adam reported that it was ongoing. Both can be can be true in all mm. the intents and purposes. He's on his way out, even if he hasn't gone just yet. I didn't see him there today and I think Watford fans view him as I think the the expectation amongst some is that he has a hand in transfer dealings if that's the case you can see why he's why people are happy he's gone because we've just talked about the the squad being short of of the players we need so on that hand I can understand why they're gone why they're happy he's gone I don't think he does have a role in transfers I think it's down to Gino and I think it's down to uh, Bayer and people around him who are dealing with transfers I don't think Gioretta has a big role in it I just that's that's my take I could be completely wrong I think my view on him he was more of a sort of 
man on the ground for Gino, a man on the Elton John side of the ground, if you like, for, for Gino on match days, his feet on the ground during training and stuff, effectively telling him how it's going. I think that's his job, a sort of MD, if you like, that sort of role. I don't think he had much of a say in transfers at all. And I would caution, I'd be, I'd, I'd, be, I'd caution being wary about this because you'll remember uh, it, it, it before the big bogeyman before was um, Giraldi, wasn't it? He was the one that we needed to get rid of because of this, that and the other. And he disappeared <laughs> after a pretty poor performance. I think, was it Barnsley or something like that? We didn't play very well against. Next thing you know, Giraldi's gone and there's sort of a little bit of, OK, good, things might be moving, things might be changing. Now Gioretta, the second incarnation of that, that bogeyman, has, has gone and you've just got to question how much influence did he have on transfers if he had big influence on transfers he's effectively been handed his cards on the basis of that I don't think he had has got an influence on transfers I think he's been moved on as a way of sort of just saying well we're trying to change things a little bit what happens as a result of it will will remain to be remain to be seen what he added to this football club is Collins shrugging his shoulders I don't know my <laughs> my sense is that he wasn't particularly certainly not I don't think any any fans will be upset that he's gone and I'm not sure whether he was particularly well liked in and around the club I think so it's what it's it's why he's gone what will there be any replacement what's his actual job I think I guess yeah, is the, is yeah. the question well but, that, that goes with every single person at every single club where you've got a sporting director a footballing director uh, all the rest of it I've no idea what they do at the club and every club it does seem to be different because the needs of the club but Colin well, I'm, it's very hard to tell, isn't it? I think I make Mike right, really. I mean, there's every football club has people in senior positions and no one really knows necessarily what their job is. I think it was it him, Mike. You might be able to correct me. I remember when, when Key, in the, the second incarnation of Kike Sanchez-Flores, which was not one of our highest, <laughs> highest moments, he complained after, after being sacked, or in fact still when he was still the manager, that someone came to the training ground and stood with a clipboard yeah, watching yeah. what he was seeing. So if that was his job, then that's not a job that you need to have at a football club because all you do is you undermine your coach. and you make them, Yeah, anyone can do that. And also he probably wasn't saying anything positive. No. So, so you undermine the bloke you've just brought in to save the club from disaster and then you stick someone on it with a clipboard behind him saying you're not doing it right, your training sessions aren't good enough, whatever. Going back to Gino and telling tales. You can't, you can't, run, a, you can't run a club with professional people in their mid-50s like that. They won't have it. And, and Kike, was right right to complain about it I think so if that was his job then we don't we don't need that job so maybe he was just a bloke hunting for a job he's got he's being paid by a football club but he hasn't actually got a clear job to do I, I make you right about the transfers I think that's all Gino yeah and that's why my problem and I it's been growing for a while for me with Gino the fact that he's almost a man without a job title because owner isn't a job title because I can own I own a lot of hand solos but that isn't my job um, I own Would lots be of if things. you could make it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, the, it's, the, it's like, well, what's, what's he do at the club? And it's absolutely clear for me that he is basically the footballing director, the sporting director, who deals with all the transfers. You know, why he's not chairman, I get why he's not CEO, but what, what, what's he do? What's the point of it? What is his system? Because there's no way this will even... If he, if he has left, do you better, it's not going to change things? No. Look, look, the bottom line is, 
it's Gino's train set. And that's what you need to know. He's He owns it, lock, stock and barrel. He's in charge. He calls the shots. He decides the the best way for things to move forward. He has a huge say on, on transfers. I, I think we can join yeah. the dots enough together to, to realise that. It's him. He is, he's got his hand on the, on the tiller. And so he, it's, his, it's his call. Hmm. How this club is run from top to bottom comes from him. I think we can say that with fair, fair, a fair degree of, of do confidence. Do you think top to bottom or do you think the bits he's interested in? No, top to bottom. because You I think s- it's the bits he's interested no, in because Scott because runs the club. Scott runs the club. the culture at the top. Okay. And I think you've t- we've talked about a man with a clipboard at training reporting back. You're a teacher, John. If you've got a man skulking at the back of your teaching sessions every now and again with a clipboard and then skulking out, you know he's going to the head's office. Mm. How does that make you feel? You then talk to your fellow teachers. Has this happened to you? Yes, it has to me or it hasn't to you. Well, why did you prefer that one? Why did you do that? And down it goes, trickling down. And I think it shows um, the way in which he... My take on it, and it is just this, is that it's a way of showing he's in charge. People know he has people loyal to him in the building that are going to tell him exactly what's going on. As Colin says, it's usually you can find something bad to report back on if you want to. So what does he do? He's in charge of everything. And so you have to, when things are going well, fair play, Gino, things are going well. You've delivered five years in the Premier League, two, not six you know, discounting something. <laughs> we've been to a cup final. We've done this. We're outside, and the Hornet shop looks nice. Yada yada yada. So fair play. But then, when the wheels are falling off, which and let's not go over, quite over the top. There's a long way to go in this season. We've voiced our concerns. We don't need to go off off on one again. But when things aren't going well, it's correct that the the, the spotlight falls upon that same man. Yeah. See, so what I find interesting, and, and I agree with everything. That, uh, uh, that Mike's just said but also that is true of a lot of football clubs Mashiri at Everton you know Bowley now at Chelsea Mike Ashley when he was at Newcastle they are they, they employ people to do the, the leg work but they're in charge it's their money and, and, that's, and that's fair enough and when things go well they get the credit and what's interesting t- to me is that when we went to the playoff final and lost to Palace in a way, it was it was a good thing we didn't go up that that year yeah. because I don't think we had a squad that could compete or survive. Uh, but we don't know what would have happened that summer, so maybe lots lots of wonderful players would have come in. But under Zola, I think we would have had a a kind of A.D. Boothroyd style Premier League season, probably. Yeah. As we have just had, in fact, because we came up with a squad that wasn't able to compete in the current Premier League. What's interesting is the is the when we lost that playoff final, there was no kind of anti-Pozzo no. feeling. There was a kind of rebuild. That time and, will come. And then two years later, boom. And then we have five years in the Premier League. But because of those five years, and then going down and coming back up, bounce about, which you've never done before, and now being relegated again, instead of it being a kind of, oh, okay, so we didn't weren't really ready, we didn't really have a squad that could compete last year, we need to come down to the championship. We need to rebuild. We need to rebuild a squad that can compete uh, in the in the way that perhaps you could argue Fulham are doing at the moment, or even maybe Bournemouth. We'll see early in the season. But instead, what we've got is a lot of kind of negative toxicity on social media. A lot of feeling that we're failing, that the Pozzos are failing us. And but that didn't happen after the Palace playoff final. 
I it was like, why. we've made a step forward. We're going to, we're going to, as you say, it's going to be our time. We're going to get there. Now, because we've had this, maybe it's to do with expectation. Maybe, maybe we are failing. We should yeah. be doing better. But we are the club we are. And, and, and that means that budgets are tight. We can't afford to, we're buying an Audi, not Waitrose. You know, we're spending three and a half to five million on players. When, you know, we're paying wages that we, we're trying to, He's trying to run the club in a way that it can be afforded, but, that, but the, so the expectations have been have been changed, and now there's a, a lot of negative feeling about how we're being failed by the owners I'll and t- by the staff. I'll tell you and why I'm that not is. sure. I'm not. You can tell me why. I'm, I'm not sure. I, so, I after that after that Crystal Palace game, the playoff final, a ghastly affair tell it me. was. I stood there and I thought, right, I'm going to watch Palace lift that trophy because I know our time will come. I know it was. This wasn't meant to be for us. I'm going to let them have this and I'm going to take the pain on the basis that we're going to come back. I know it's going to come good because of the way things were falling into, into place. I was confident that we'd make it and we did. Now, since then, we've gone back effectively to square one. Yeah, in a way, yes. We're where we were. We're in the championship trying to get back. And I'll tell you why we're, it's all right to say we're failing. Because as we've just said, Gino Pozzo is the man in charge, the man with his hand on the tiller, the man that sets the expectation, the man that sets the goals and aims. His aim will, without a shadow of a doubt, will be to get into the Premier League. Absolutely no doubt about it. And I'll tell you why I think there's concern, because I'm speaking for myself. I have zero confidence about getting a team, a Watford team, back into the Premier League that could compete or in the future. So to get them back in the Premier League or to get them back in the Premier League and, and, and compete. compete. And compete. Okay. So, because that's, because otherwise, what's the point? It'd be, yeah, look, I'd be, if, to be perfectly honest, if we could win the championship, get the trophy and stay down, I'd take it. Yep, me too. Because I, I don't think that as it stands, I'm not saying that Watford can't ever compete in the Premier League, but with the way things are going, what we've seen over the last three years, two relegations, one championship slugfest where we managed to come out on top and get promoted and now what we've seen so far this year we're not seeing joined up planning no. we're not seeing incremental improvement when we were in the Premier League we, were, we inched better we got incrementally better we got better players year on year out until it all went wrong and it, for a moment there it looked like right this is what we do you build you, you, you consolidate you build you consolidate you build and it worked for a bit and now the wheels have come off that the overall project we're back where we started and we're flailing around, and I find I would find it just almost we're just as likely to, to land a Watford side on the moon, quite frankly, as we are to, to put one together that will that will do well in the Premier League. And that's how I feel. If you put that into the context of how people are feeling, us being failed, we don't deserve anything as Watford supporters. No football fan on earth deserves anything. We're all mental. We spend too much money, too much time and too much emotional energy on something that we've got no impact on. We're bananas, the lot of us. And stood next to a London Sunderland fans who probably it's going to take them about three and a half days to get back. Uh, and they'll be, do you know what I mean? It's just the whole thing's nonsense. We don't deserve anything, but we are entitled to feel, feel something because that's why we love it. And so I totally understand why people would feel upset, angry and frustrated because the, the aim... We're not near it. We, we are failing in our stated aims. We've talked about the state of the, of the squad. If I've said it before, if a bozo like me can, can recognise where the, where the issues are, why can't, why can't Gino Pozzo? For someone who is so 
who will clearly want to get back in the Premier League, if only for financial reasons. Yeah. Even if he is this Machiavellian dodgepot who just wants to strip all the money out of the club, then he needs to get to the Premier League for that to happen. So build a team to do it, nick the money and disappear if that's what you want to do. But we're, we're miles off it. Mm. And I've, I have... So I understand the I understand the upset. I understand the frustration. I draw the line at sort of this. We're, we're being told lies. I don't. That that that's not right. No. We're not being told lies. And they're not destroying we're, the club. We're making a mess of trying to achieve what we want yeah. to achieve. But Gino Pozzo deserves criticism for that, and he deserves questions because, for the last three years if you, you know the championship was fine we got up we got out of it but in the in the premier premier league it was abject twice and it have lessons have been been learned no because we 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 came down again and now we 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 haven't addressed uh, situations in the squad so there is ignore social media ignore sort of the the really unpleasant stuff because that's that's just people being pathetic quite frankly but an overall sense of frustration and concern is, is, is appropriate and is, is completely understandable because I, I get it, I'm okay. I'm, I'm 45 and I'm happy rocking up and watching football. I, I'm, I've, been there, I've been there and done it with my club, I'm lucky. And I'm at peace that I enjoy the fact that we've got these rumbunctuous championship games. They're great fun. But I understand why people feel let down and feel angry, really. What, what we had five years ago... It's, it's feast and now it's, it's famine and, and to go from that to this is, is difficult for some people to, to take on board and I, and I, I get it. Yeah, no, I get that too and I, and I think there's some, there's some other bits to that argument which I, I do think that the Premier League has changed dramatically in the last six years which does make it much more difficult for clubs like us and Burnley and Swansea and teams that, were in, that have been on the same journey as us who spent you know, years in the Premier League and then finally got relegated. Stoke's another one and they, they're finding it very, very hard to get back in. They're very, finding it very hard to build a squad that can, that can do well in the Championship let alone complete, compete in the Premier League if they get uh, promoted I, my feeling is that it is a reset I, I, my, I, and I agree about going up there's no point going up unless you've got a squad to compete and maybe what we need is to spend a couple of seasons here just putting together a squad that you think okay now this squad this squad could compete or with some you know incremental Additions, it could compete. If if all we're doing is just chasing the rainbow every every year we're in the Championship to get into the Premier League, we take a bunch of rag, a ragtag band of footballers into the Premier League and get battered every week. That that's not something I look forward to at all. I don't I don't feel happy about that. And and I do think that some of the the sense of failure is misplaced partly because I think that the club is is smaller than most people think it is. <laughs> And its budgets are smaller than people understand, and the financial thing is is can be perilous, quite can become perilous quite quickly. And that what we need is is a moment of of, of calm and stillness and rebuild, and then see if we can put together a squad like we had five, six, seven years ago that could actually get up and compete. Because you look how difficult it is at the moment for a club like Forest, who have been waiting to get back in the Premier League for 26 years, they've gone and spent crazy sums of money on millions of players. Will they stay up? Probably not. And then what? We've so, shown we can do it. We've shown we can do it. So we don't need to give up on the dream completely. No, no I'm not saying that. And I, I, no, I know you're not. And I, 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 think I we just I, need some time to I, rebuild. I, I agree totally. I wanted to caveat what I said about winning the championship and staying down. I'm not being defeatist. I think at the moment 
we're, we feel a long way from it. We can, you know, we can build. Look, Fulham are doing it. You mentioned the B word. Can they? Can they stay up? We, it remains to be seen. So, it, you know, football is a magical, complex, balmy, you know, bit of alchemy, isn't it? It, it can go your way, and, and great stories can happen. There's no reason it can't happen again here, but. We're not on the right track at the moment. We're we're miles off the right track. So for people to be upset, I, I get it. For people to be worried and concerned, I get it. But the, look, the bottom line is, um, and it's and it's a phrase I live my my life by. Blimey. Don't don't. Blimey, this is a good one. I've been waiting for this one, George. <laughs> don't be a dick. <laughs> right? Don't be a dick about things. <laughs> don't go over the top. Don't go laying into other people because they don't feel exactly the same way you do don't say you're going to don't rip your season ticket up don't just don't be a dick think about it and and you support the club in the in the in the best way you you can in the and the way that works for you however that manifests itself say whatever you want do whatever you want be however you want to be positive negative in between uh, a singer a sit on your hands whatever it's down to you. It's your, you're the supporter. You do it the way you want. But don't be a dick. <laughs> My motto is it always, always works out in the end. Yeah, and I'm sure it will always work out in the end at some point for Watford and our fans. Oh, don't be a dick, John. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got this a uh, couple of weeks off. Uh, are you, uh, Rob, you, you, you know, imagine you're Rob, you haven't been fired, and you <laughs> have got to try and sort something out. Are you just going into the injury lab to to solve these injury problems or are we doing a lot a lot a lot on the pitch in terms of training um well the problem at the moment is we haven't got we haven't got an 11 we don't actually have 11 players that make up a football team so what we've got is we've got about 18 players but we haven't got 11 players that you need to make an actual team because as as was pointed out earlier we don't have the correct type of defenders so I think there'll be quite a lot of work in the injury room saying come on Jeremy you need to get up now and start running lad because we need you in two weeks because we need him back just go go and put pins in you've got to to play I think getting Keenan Davis because he he slightly limped off at the end there and I think that's probably just fatigue and a bit of cramp I don't think he got injured Um, I think we need yeah we need lose a bat we need you know you need to get at least let get the whole squad back together and have a look at what you've got. Mm. But quite clearly, they need to buy some uh, fullbacks because that's really where we're struggling at the moment. And, and we, you just there's not you don't feel the the balance is quite right. So maybe there is work to be done on the training ground as well to say right. Mr. Espria, this is what I think your role is going to be. Keenan is now our number nine, so he's going to be the focal point. We've got a player that can hold the ball up, that can shrug off a couple of centre-backs who are trying to bully him. He can do that, and we haven't had that for a while, so that's good. We've got Pedro, we know what he can do, but he's having to be pushed out into a wider position. I personally think he should be sitting in behind Davis, as a, as a a because at the moment what we've got is Chowdhury and... And we've got no one in that little triangle in front of them to pick up the ball from them and then make something happen wide or straight through to Davis. So, but that, this is all stuff. But you've got to have the you've got to have the, the you've got to have the right sort of players yeah, who play in the right sort of position, and you can create a team that has balance. And at the moment we don't have balance. That's why Rob's. That's, the question is, what's Rob going to do? And he has to find a solution until yeah, to get us get us through to January somehow in 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 touch. Which. I said it in the last podcast. If we've got our first eleven out there, we're probably going to be a a, a match for for pretty much every team in the, in the championship, and rightly so, considering everything we've talked about, what we're aiming to do, yada yada yada. If we our first eleven are fit and firing, we're going to be in decent shape. 
they're never fit and they're not firing. So Rob Edwards has somehow got to get in there with his with his number two with Richie and work out how they're going to meld and mesh this side together. Every single time we walk away from a Watford match, there's more questions than answers, and that needs to stop. There needs to be some idea of how this team is going to win games. That that sort of that sort of idea of sticking fingers in dams, rearranging the, the trying to make things look pretty because someone smudged a bit of paint over there, and you're repainting that bit. And when you go to paint that bit, you kick a can over there, and then you've scuffed up your skirts. We can't be doing that. We need to turn up and play 90 minutes of football where we look cohesive, threatening, and we ask questions of the opposition instead of coming away scratching their head. That's Rob's job. It's an absolutely massive one. They've got to stick with him, though. They have got to stick with him. Everything we've spoken about, I think that the, 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 the fans will... I would be deeply upset. And if you offered me 15th place with Rob Edwards at the end of the season, yes, I'd take that because it goes back to what um, uh, uh, Colin was saying about the about the reset it shows that they're learning it shows that they're approaching it in a particular way so I will take it we would have failed in terms of league position but we will have achieved in terms of actually showing that we're learning yeah yeah Um, so massive massive job for Rob though now huge huge thank you very much Colin thank you thank you Michael you're welcome cheers Uh, and we're back with another podcast uh, when Watford start playing games of football again, interest break, we'll give ourselves a break. In fact, Mike, will, we giving our, will we be giving ourselves a break or will we be using our lovely feet to walk around Watford on the Taylor Trek? We will. We'll be doing that next week. Really, really looking forward to it. Um, so we will ping out a link on our socials. Do sponsor us if you can. The whole idea is to raise money. It's not for us. It's for the Watford FC Trust, which is we know does great things. We've talked about um, about stuff that's wrong at the club. We know there's amazing stuff that the club do in terms of, well, funded by the Trust. So it's a really, really worthwhile cause. It promises to be a really good fun day as well. Really looking forward to it. Uh, join it if you join us if you can. It's certainly not too late. If you can't join us, sponsor us. We'll get the link on our uh, on our socials. Thank you very much. And uh, well, come on, you Owens.